As we begin this morning, we've been talking about the question, why? Why? Most of us have many of those questions, why? And we decided to take a look at just three of those um, as we began the new school year. Steve last week talked about why am I here and, and our search for meaning in life. And today our question is, why does it matter and the things we believe? Does it matter what we believe? And if so, why? We're going to start by looking at Psalm 119. Now, just a few little tidbits about this psalm. There are 176 verses in Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible, and it's an acrostic. It's divided into 22 verses, eight stanzas each, um, 22 sections, eight stanzas each, and each stanza begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet in order. The entire psalm is about God's law, God's instruction, God's promises, and thus God's faithfulness, and the psalmist's desire to know God um, and to know God's ways. So each stanza is different, although very repetitive, I, I will admit, in those 176 verses. And we're going to look at the 18th stanza, which begins with the 18th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Zaidi, T-S-A-D-E, and it's the tis. T.S. sound. Now, we won't get that as we read it in English, but I'm going to begin with verse 137. Lord, you are righteous, and your rules are right. The laws you commanded are righteous, completely trustworthy. Anger consumes me because my enemies have forgotten what you said. Your word has been tried and tested. Your servant loves your word. I am insignificant and, and unpopular, but I don't forget your precepts. Your righteousness lasts forever. Your instruction is true. Stress and strain have caught up with me, but your commandments are my joy. Your laws are righteous forever. Help me to understand so that I may live. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, thanks be to God. Let me invite you to bow your heads and pray with me this morning. As I pray for you to receive this, I pray for you. Uh, I, I invite you to pray for me in offering this message. Let's pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Your rules are right, your laws are righteous, your instruction is true. As repetitive as this psalm is, it speaks to being immersed in the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God's ways, being immersed in our beliefs, and, and how those beliefs then inform, guide, and shape our lives. 
Too often in our society, we rush around in search of beliefs that will fit in around our lives. Too often in our society, we are trying to make those beliefs fit in around our lives. And, and we live by letting everything else form our identity and then hope that our beliefs might fit in somewhere around that. In other words, it's like we accessorize with our beliefs. Any of you guilty of doing that? Whereas the psalmist perspective is exactly the reverse. For the psalmist, faith is what forms us. Our beliefs should take center stage in our lives, and they do for this psalmist. It is God's path, God's ways, God's teaching that tell us who we are and, and provide us with the gift of true life. Remember the last stanza of that, I mean, the, the last verse of that stanza? Give me understanding that I may live. The Gospel of John says it this way. If you make my word your home, we could say my teaching, my promises, my instruction. If you make my word your home, you will indeed be my disciples. You will come to know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, there are those of us who think that if I've given my life to Christ, if I have a relationship with Christ, then, then why does it really matter what specifically I believe? Yet, I would say that it is important to know what we believe so that we will know why we are following Christ. William Placker says it this way, even, I think we've got the quote up there, even if I, ha if I have a warm personal relationship with Jesus, I also need an account of what's so special about Jesus to understand why my relationship with him is so important. If I think about dedicating my life to following him, I need an idea of why he's worth following. Our son came down for the weekend. Yay, Sid's here with us this weekend. <laughs> um, and he told me that he and his wife have just started taking Disciple Bible Study. Many of you are familiar with that course or have taken that course. You read through about 80% of the Bible in a period of about nine months and then meet together weekly with your group. And it might sound like it's overwhelming, but really, you take it a step at a time and, and it's a great way to dive in and begin to understand what you believe and why. And pretty quickly, you become familiar with three questions that are used frequently in Disciple Bible Study. What does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about human beings? And what does this tell us about the relationship between God and human beings? Side note, if you haven't taken Disciple Bible Study, I encourage you to do so. Both Steve and I have taken it, and, and dozens, perhaps even hundreds of people at Trinity have taken it over the years. It truly is transformational in helping you to know what you believe and why you are following the one that you are following or maybe even help you to decide for the very first time that you want to follow Jesus. So if you're interested, I invite you to talk with Micah after the service or email him. But back to what we believe and why. Most of us, most of what we say we believe and why can be answered as we wrestle with those three questions from Disciple Bible Study.
What does it say about God? What does it say about human beings? And what does it say about the relationship between God and human beings? But in terms of what we believe, in the United Methodist Church, our core beliefs are found in our articles of religion and then later echoed in our confession of faith. We have held to these same beliefs since they were first adopted by American Methodist preachers at the first Christmas conference in 1784. Those articles of what we believe we adopted from the Church of England because Wesley was an Anglican priest. And these are a few of them. These are our core beliefs. We believe in one living and true God and in three persons of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. We believe in the Word of God, the Son of God, who is both fully human and fully divine, who was crucified, dead, and buried, and who reconciles the world with God. We believe in the resurrection of Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit, one with God and with Jesus Christ, who convicts us, comforts us, sustains us, and empowers us, and faithfully guides us into all truth. We believe that the Holy Scriptures contain everything necessary for salvation, and received through the Holy Spirit, they guide and rule our lives, both for faith and for practice. We believe in both original sin and free will. We believe that humanity is justified by faith and that we are called to good works that spring out of our faith. We believe in the church made visible in the world and in baptism and communion as the two sacraments ordained by Jesus. And then there's a list of, of, of about two dozen total what you should know is that in the face of a changing world and in our changing denomination, what we affirm are those core beliefs, just as we did when we gathered at that first Christmas conference in 1784. That is what we believe. We also, we also know that as we hold to those core beliefs, we seek to live in response to the love of Christ. And we're challenged to apply those truths in ever-changing contexts. And so it's our responsibility and our calling to continue to discern what we believe in the context of the struggles and the complexity in our current society and in our individual lives. The things we believe do matter to us and to others. And so as we seek to discern what we believe, I want to encourage you this morning to think about two particular questions. One, are the things that we say we believe embodied in Jesus Christ and in us, 
in our modern world. We are continually bumping up against struggles and issues that are not talked about in Scripture or in the Christian faith as laid out in our, our creeds and our doctrines and beliefs. And so today, everything that we say that we believe has to be viewed through the lens of Jesus Christ. If Jesus is God made manifest in the flesh, if Jesus is God coming into the world, then Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And therefore, anything we say we believe cannot be contrary to what is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. The things we believe need to be in line with, need to be congruent with what Jesus taught and how he lived. In other words, if, you're, if your beliefs don't pass the Jesus test, then you shouldn't be holding on to them. The second part of that question is, if the things we say are embodied, if the things we say we believe are embodied in us, is what you say you believe embodied in how you live, in how we live our lives? Is what we say we believe lived out in our relationships, in our commitments, in our spending, in our giving, in our voting? Is what we say we believe embedded in the daily rhythms and habits of our lives? If not, then we either need to rethink what we say we believe or how we live our lives. Because what we say we believe does matter. My second question for us is, while the things we believe are our signposts, is love our hitching post? Now, I came across that idea of our beliefs as signposts and love as our hitching post this week when I was reading Credo by William Sloan Coffin. Coffin, now deceased, became famous when he was the chaplain at Yale University during the 1960s, when he, especially because he very publicly denounced the war with Vietnam. And then he marched alongside Martin Luther King Jr. and was outspoken for civil rights. And later he served as the pastor, the senior pastor at Riverside United Methodist Church, I mean Riverside Church in New York City, and continued to be a powerful voice of courage and change. Credo is a gathering of his quotes from sermons across his lifetime and unpublished speeches around various themes. In thinking about why, what we believe and why it matters, this quote from Coffin stood out to me. I think you've got it on the screen as well. It is bad religion to deify doctrines and creeds. While indispensable to religious life, so while doctrines and creeds are indispensable to religious life, doctrines and creeds are only so as signposts. They're indispensable as signposts. Love alone is our hitching post. Doctrines, let's not forget, supported slavery and apartheid. Some still support keeping women in their places 
and gays and lesbians in limbo. Moreover, doctrines can divide, while compassion can only unite. Coffin begins by affirming that our beliefs matter. Our doctrines and creeds are indispensable to religious life. He says, and yet we are not to deify them. They are only signposts. They give us direction, an important direction, but they point us along the way. They are still only signposts for the journey. Love, on the other hand, is our hitching post. You know, that fixed place where you attached your horse to keep it from straying? As much as we believe what keeps us on the journey and, and going in the right direction, what we believe always has to be grounded in love. Love is our hitching post. You know, it reminds me of parts of 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the, in the tongues of humans and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have all prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all the right beliefs, and if I have all faith, faith in Jesus Christ to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. And now faith, hope, and love remain, these three. And the greatest of these is love. The things we believe do matter. They are our signposts. They ground us. They tell us about God. They tell us about human beings. They tell us about our relationship with between, the relationship between God and human beings. They tell us about what's so special about Jesus and why a relationship with him is so very important. They tell us who he is and why he's worth following. And all that we say we believe must be embodied in Jesus Christ and in our own lives. All that we say we believe must be hitched to love. Let's pray together. Oh God, we come to you this morning and each of us still have questions about what we believe. Mostly we understand those core beliefs, those beliefs about who you are and who Christ is and the power of the Holy Spirit. We understand and trust in those beliefs as we seek to follow Christ. And yet, oh God, we know that there are so many other gray areas, things that we don't fully understand now. Things that we don't fully understand and perhaps won't in this life. But oh God, we do put our trust in you. We do trust you 
knowing that our beliefs are signposts along the way that guide us on the journey of faith. And above all, O oh God, may love be our hitching post in all that we do that we might embody you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.